Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In Galatians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul explains that the gospel that he was teaching to the Gentiles was not the same gospel that the apostles in Jerusalem were teaching to the Jews. It was not the same gospel. Beginning in Galatians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Then after fourteen years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Now, I will explain this idea of running in vain in just a moment. But what I would like to emphasize right now is that he said that he preached a gospel among the Gentiles and that he went to speak with those who were of reputation privately to tell them about this gospel that he was teaching among the Gentiles. Now, the reason why he met with them privately was because he believed it was necessary for him to meet with them privately. And I believe that this is a clear indication. It's absolutely clear to me that they were teaching something different from what he was teaching. And so it would make sense for him to meet with them privately in advance to explain to them exactly what he taught, what he believed about the gospel, so that they could prepare themselves for what he was going to present publicly, so that they could be better prepared, better prepared to respond to what Paul presents. Now, I do believe that they would have acknowledged what he taught to a point. I do believe that. For example, would they agree that Jesus is the Messiah? Well, of course they would. Would they agree that Jesus died for the sins of humanity? Of course they would. Would they agree that salvation has to do with the restoration of the Holy Spirit that was lost in Adam? Would they agree with that? I believe that they would agree with the Apostle Paul concerning that. And so if you were to look at the basics of the gospel, sin, death, forgiveness, and the restoration of life, I believe that they would be in reasonable agreement, that there would be a reasonable agreement between the Apostle Paul and those who were of reputation, meaning those who were the apostles and elders there in Jerusalem, that they would agree on that. And to that extent, they could consider themselves to be brethren. They could consider themselves to be members of the body of Christ. They could acknowledge Paul as a legitimate brother in that sense, and he could acknowledge them as legitimate brethren to an extent as well. So where were the differences? Well, the differences came afterwards. The differences were based on what do you do now? What is your life going to look like now? 
Now that you have been forgiven, how are you going to live out your Christian life? And I believe the evidence is clear to show that the apostles in Jerusalem were teaching the people that now that you have been forgiven, now that you have been resurrected, now that you believe in the true Messiah, now you should have incentive, you should have inspiration, you should have encouragement, you should be more committed and devoted to living a life of obedience to God. Repent from your sins and obey the commandments of God as Jesus taught us to live. He taught us to live according to the commandments of God. They were there, they walked with him, they talked with him, they listened to him. They knew exactly what Jesus taught. Now, of course, the difference between the gospel that they were teaching and the gospel that the Apostle Paul was teaching had to do with how do you now live your life, and what Paul was teaching was not the same as what Jesus was teaching. And this is why. The reason why... Paul was teaching something different about our daily life now is because Jesus was teaching the Old Covenant because that was the covenant that was in effect. It wasn't until after he died and rose from the dead that forgiveness was provided to humanity. It is forgiveness that sets us free from a life under the law and before he provided forgiveness, no one was free from that. So I believe that that is what separated the Apostle Paul from those of reputation, the apostles in Jerusalem, was this issue of the implications of forgiveness. What does the forgiveness of God imply? What does it result in? And how are we going to live our lives now in light of the forgiveness that we now have in Christ Jesus? I believe that that is the fundamental point of deviation that that is where the differences began between the Apostle Paul and the Apostles in Jerusalem. Now, the Apostles in Jerusalem never conceded that this was acceptable, as far as I can tell. They never conceded that the Apostle Paul was right when it comes to how do we live our Christian life? How do we live a new life according to what our God has done for us, and what he has given to us. I don't see any evidence that shows that they ever acknowledged that Paul was correct. And there are a number of reasons why I believe they wouldn't acknowledge that Paul was correct. The first one, of course, is just what I described, because that's not what Jesus taught. And again, I do not believe Jesus should have taught anything otherwise because of the time that he was teaching, which was when the old covenant was in effect, but after he died and rose from the dead, now the new covenant is in effect, and we can now walk in the newness of life that he has for us. But when the apostles in Jerusalem heard the apostle Paul, they heard the gospel to the extent of sin, death, forgiveness, and the restoration of life, I'm sure they heard that, and when they did, they would at least concede that Paul was a brother, that he was legitimate. However, when he presented this to the entire congregation, when he presented his gospel to the entire congregation, they did not publicly say that he was right to the extent that everyone there should now live in the newness of life as Paul described. That is not what they concluded. And I did an extensive study on this in the verse-by-verse study I presented on the book of Acts. I'm going to refer you to those programs for detail concerning what I just said. 
at this time I need to proceed with what I'm teaching on, which is in Galatians, and I just need to mention that because this is Paul's description of the events that he saw when he was personally there. This is a different account compared to the account that Luke wrote when Luke was writing about the Acts of the Apostles. So when they had their meeting, when they had their convention in Acts chapter 15, the conclusion was that Paul should go ahead and go to the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles to live however they want to live, assuming, of course, that they're not using this as an excuse to indulge their flesh. Well, that's obvious. But they conceded that if you are a Gentile, then you are not bound to the Mosaic law. You do not have to live according to the law of Moses. You do not have to be circumcised. But by default, and I can say this with confidence because of things that they said later on, I believe that they would have said, if you are a Jew, then you must be circumcised and you must live according to the commandments of Moses. But I believe that Paul would not have agreed with that statement. I don't think that he would have agreed that if you are a Jew, you are to live according to the commandments of Moses. But if you are not a Jew, then you don't have to live according to the commandments of Moses. Now, consider me for a moment. In today's modern age, today, thousands of years later, should I be telling people that? I should be telling people, listen, all you people who are listening to me right now, if you're not Jewish, don't worry. You don't have to devote your life to the Mosaic Law. But, you know, if you're like me, well, you know, I'm just not like you. I have to do this. I am bound to this. God expects this of me, but he doesn't expect this of you. I'm different, I'm unique, I'm special, whatever, and I am going to have to deal with the burdens of the law when you don't. Is that is that what you expect me to say, really? Is that what you expect me to believe? I don't believe that. I will never believe that. I don't believe the Apostle Paul believed that. I don't believe that. And I believe that even though the Apostles in Jerusalem believe that, that's what I believe, that they believe that. That doesn't mean I'm going to bow to that. I'm not going to bend my knee to that. I've been there. I've done that. I've had enough of that. Thank you very much. I know what the end of that is. Emptiness, death, condemnation, no acceptance from God, no love from God, nothing but absolute condemnation and rejection and shame. There is no life there at all. There's not supposed to be. He gave the commandments so that he could drive us to this point of despair, so that we would turn to him for his grace and mercy and forgiveness, so that we could walk in the newness of life. And I have done both. And let me tell you, knowing both, living in both, I can tell you with great confidence that for me to consider going back to the law, I personally would rather die and just go to heaven now. That's how I feel about it, that it is so empty and so dead in comparison with the life that he has revealed to me that there is no way that I will ever go back. And for those of you who do not know about this new way of life, I beg of you to pursue him, to pursue it, because when you see the new covenant, when you see the new life in Christ, as I have just described, then, and only then, will you know what I'm talking about. Between now and then, if you don't understand what I'm saying, you shouldn't. Don't be surprised, because I'm not. Going back into Galatians chapter 2, verse 2, he says that he went to the people there, those who were of reputation to speak with them privately. Then he went to speak with the entire congregation publicly. And I believe that this is a clear representation 
a clear explanation that what he believed concerning the gospel, when he said he preaches a gospel among the Gentiles, that that says it is a different gospel. And I believe that the deviation happens at the point of forgiveness. Now, when these people who were of reputation heard the Apostle Paul, what do you suppose they would be thinking? I believe that they would be concerned. And I believe that they have a lot of reasons to be concerned. There is great risk involved here. If what Paul is teaching is different from what they are teaching, then they could easily be threatened by the Apostle Paul. Because what happens if other people believe Paul and not them? They could easily be threatened by that. So what is the risk for the Apostle Paul? Let's start with that. The risk for the Apostle Paul is that they might tell him to go somewhere else, to just simply leave, that they are not going to provide him an audience before the entire congregation, because what he has told them privately, they do not want to provide him an opportunity to say that to others publicly. He can do that on his own, but they are not going to endorse or provide him with the environment or the audience to speak to. They could simply tell him to get lost, go somewhere else, go down the street or go to another country, whatever. But just go away and don't come back. That was the risk for the Apostle Paul. So when he said that he was concerned about running in vain or going there in vain, I believe that this was his risk. Now, of course, what he was after was a letter from them an official statement from them that the Gentiles do not need to be circumcised or live according to the laws of Moses, to the commandments of Moses, the commandments that God gave through Moses. That was what he was after. I really believe that that is what he was after, not for his own personal needs, not for his own personal credibility, not to give him some credentials, but so that he could take that and deliver that to the churches who he was discipling so that they could be set free from the burden of dealing with people who were coming from Jerusalem to tell them that they needed to be circumcised and live according to the laws of Moses. So he was after a letter from the apostles to tell the Gentiles that they did not have to live in the way that the apostles were teaching people, the Jews, how they needed to live. That was what he was after, and that was what he eventually obtained, and then he left. He didn't go there to be corrected by them. He didn't go there to listen to them. He went there to speak to them, not to listen to them. Now, I do believe he did listen. I'm not saying that he wasn't respectful. What I am saying, though, is that in the previous programs, I explained that he didn't go to them before to be taught by them, to be discipled by them, to get their endorsement. So why do you suppose he would go there now to be taught by them, to be discipled by them, and to get their endorsement? Why would he do it now if he didn't do it before? I explained this in previous programs, and this is the point. He didn't. He went there in order to obtain something from them. That's why he went there, and he got it. Now, the risk for them was different. The risk for them was very different because if people would believe the Apostle Paul, if the people in the congregation would believe him, well, then they might have a church split. 
that would be one possible consequence. If people began to believe that the Apostle Paul was right and that the other apostles were wrong, then how long do you think it would take before the apostles in Jerusalem there would no longer have an audience to speak to, would no longer have any support in order to continue to perpetuate the gospel that they were perpetuating. They would have to use their time doing something else. So the risk for them was tremendous in the context of job security. There may be a church split, things like that. Those are very real concerns. Now, if the apostles agreed with the Apostle Paul, If the elders agreed with the Apostle Paul, there was risk there. That was another type of risk that they were confronted with. What would happen if they believed him? Well, if they believed him, then again, they would probably have a church split of some kind because there would be many people in the congregation who would not want to believe what the Apostle Paul was saying concerning the new life in Christ Jesus. A lot of people would not want to believe that, and so there would be a split in the congregation. Some people would, but how many? How many would really believe what the Apostle Paul was teaching? Because the risk was not just for the elders and the apostles, those who were of reputation. It was not just for them, it was also for the congregation, because a new form of persecution would quickly erupt from the people in Jerusalem who did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. You know, they were already experiencing a tremendous amount of persecution because they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. But if you add on top of that the fact that you don't have to be circumcised or live according to the commandments of God that were given through Moses, if you add that on top of believing that Jesus is the Messiah then you would have a new form of persecution, one that would be so severe that it would probably look like the persecution that the Apostle Paul got when he went to Jerusalem the last time in his life. When he went there, the uproar was so intense that he was about to be murdered. This is the kind of risk that they would be faced with when the Apostle Paul came to speak to them. If they would agree with the Apostle Paul, then they might be faced with a new form of persecution. And then, what else could they be faced with? Well, consider the risk of becoming like the Apostle Paul. Consider that. I mean, look at their position. Look at their status in their society. Look at the number of people who were listening to them, who supported them. What would happen if they taught the same gospel that Paul was teaching? They might become like the Apostle Paul, who had very few people who were listening to him, who had very few resources to work with, very little resources to work with. He didn't have what they had. And for them to concede that he was right could eventually lead them to the point where they would have to function as he functioned. They would have to live as he lived. They might have to leave Jerusalem as well, just like he left Jerusalem and ministered to the Gentiles. They might have to go and minister to the Gentiles too. Think about it. Think about the consequences. The consequences can be severe. So when he spoke with them privately, he gave them an opportunity to prepare their response. He gave them the opportunity to prepare what they would say as a response 
to what he was going to present publicly. And I believe that their response was very well prepared in advance, ready to be delivered when this public meeting took place. And I believe that when James presented his conclusion, that was the agreed-upon conclusion, the agreed-upon response that they had agreed on well in advance so that they could present a well-crafted, a well-defined letter and response to the people at that time. And so I believe that that was what was going on and why the Apostle Paul wrote this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 2. Now, today, it isn't any different. The same risks exist today. The same disagreements exist today, but they have slightly morphed. For example, today, in the Gentile world, in the Gentile Christian world, where people believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the predominant belief today, in Christianity today, is that if you are a Christian then you are to now live your life repenting from your sins and living in obedience to the commandments of God. Now, you certainly don't have to obey all of the commandments, just the ones that we like, just the ones that we pick and choose. So the issues are still the same, they just simply have morphed. They have morphed to the extent where we now have people of reputation, great reputation, who take the same position as the elders and the apostles in Jerusalem took, but not to the same extent. They did not teach the law of Moses to the fullest extent that the apostles did in Jerusalem. They obviously don't teach people to be circumcised today like they did in Jerusalem. That's true, absolutely. And so they're not teaching the law to the fullest extent that I believe they should, if they were to really believe what they often say. Instead, they're teaching a form of pharisaical light is how I usually describe it. It's not really pharisaical Judaism, it's pharisaical light. But it's still the same principle, it's still the same idea, it's still the same philosophy, and that is based on the belief that God still holds our sins against us. And if he does, then you had better do something in order to get your sins under control so that he will not hold your sins against you. Now, these people are easy to find, easy to spot. All you need to do is go to their congregations and listen to them for a few weeks, maybe a few hours, maybe a few minutes. And eventually, when you leave, you will have the sense, you will have the feeling that God still holds your sins against you in some way. And because of that, you need to do something in order to improve your life so that you won't be such an embarrassment to God. If what you hear, if what you sense, sounds anything like that at all, anything like that, then you have discovered someone who believes the gospel that was taught in Jerusalem instead of the gospel that was taught by the Apostle Paul. It's not exactly the same, of course, because of circumcision and other things. It has simply morphed, morphed in a way that it has been hidden. But the fundamental principles are still the same. Now, I have done a lot of teaching on this subject. The series of programs I did on forgiveness were recorded for the purpose of dealing with this subject. Listen to the programs that I did on spiritual warfare, which is actually a series on law and grace. 
and you will understand more about the issues and the conflict and the struggles that we are really in from a spiritual point of view. These are the programs that I did to deal with this subject in detail, and so I'm not going to try to duplicate those right now. I have to press forward and move on. What I want you to understand is that there was risk back then for people to believe what the Apostle Paul was teaching. So also today there is tremendous risk in believing what the Apostle Paul was teaching. Tremendous risk. If I was to go, as the Apostle Paul did, if I was to go to many of these congregations before many of these people who are of reputation... If I was to do that, then they would be faced with the same risks that the apostles in Jerusalem were faced with when the apostle Paul went there. If I spoke with their congregation, their congregation might believe. If I speak with them, even if I do so privately beforehand, they might believe me, in which case they would be at risk of losing their congregation. And this does happen a lot. I have known many pastors who began to embrace the complete forgiveness of sins. And when they tell their congregation that this is what they are growing to understand, they lose their position, in which case they may lose their home, they may lose their spouse, they may lose everything to include any future opportunities for ministry because it is extremely difficult to find anyone who is willing to support the gospel in the way that I'm describing, in the way that many pastors discover. It's extremely difficult to find people who will support someone who does not extort money from them, who does not put them into a life of bondage to the law, regardless of whether it is the complete Mosaic law or Pharisaical light or whatever they call it, the life of living according to the knowledge of good and evil as opposed to the life of living according to the love and grace of God. That's what I'm referring to. And so just as the risk was tremendous back then, it still is today. Be aware of this when you go to speak with people about the gospel. And I will continue with this in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you, man.